Hey guys, welcome back to Radio Rothbard. This is Stow Bishop, joined as always by Ryan McMakin. And uh, we were looking at our last few episodes and we realized it has been a bit since the last time we took a hit at the FBI, one of our favorite targets. And Ryan, I know in particular you had a story that has popped up that uh, really got your blood boiling. And it seemed as good as reason of, of, as any to, to bring the topic back up. Um, so let's begin there. We're also going to dive into some of the recent January 6 news and perhaps, again, you know, perhaps some, some more positive movements in terms of general distrust of the agency. But Ryan, tell us about the, the article this past week that has uh, really animated you once again on one of your, your favorite targets. <laughs> well, it, it uh, animates me for a couple of reasons. Uh, and the story is that the FBI uh, has basically been spying on what they regard as traditionalist Catholic parishes. And this, you heard, heard a little bit about this uh, a couple of months ago, how a memo had come out from the FBI saying, uh, well, these, these uh, tradition-minded Catholics, I'm not, that could be defined in any number of ways. Uh, it's not like a special group. It's just like a, a group within a group. It's just like an ideological leaning among Catholics, and some of them. And so this, this memo was saying that these people are domestic terrorists or potential domestic terrorists, and you got to keep an eye on them. And so now in some new information that came out this week, uh, it, right, requested uh, by House Republicans, it's, uh, it's turning, it turns out that, yeah, they, they actually had plans in place to really cultivate sources in Catholic parishes, cozy up to priests, and uh, just basically spy uh, on Catholics with uh, more of an eye toward identifying domestic terrorists. And it's really just quite remarkable that they're putting this sort of effort into that, even though there's no evidence to suggest this is any sort of real threat to anybody. It, uh, all it does is it's really just par for the course with what the FBI does this, these days, which is act as the political arm of the American left. So there are certain people here with social views we don't like. So therefore, we're going to just assume that these are potential violent terrorists and devote lots of taxpayer money to spying on them and then turning also clergy and some of their fellow uh, Catholics into informants. And so for all you know, my friends, if you have a, uh, a parish that, that leans in any way toward uh, more orthodoxy, there's probably a spook in your midst, and he hangs out, he pretends to like you, pretends to be your friend, but in reality he's writing reports on you uh, back at FBI headquarters. So, uh, yeah, if, if anybody seems to be new at your parish and shows up and is super friendly, uh, probably a fed. So uh, just be careful of that sort of thing. And, <laughs> and you know what this is? This is all just, it's all just what we should expect from the FBI. Back in as, as early as the late 1950s, because the FBI had been limited, the FBI was frustrated by Supreme Court cases saying that, hey, FBI, uh, you're actually limited in your abilities to overtly go against anti-war organizations and uh, left-wing organizations. Um, the FBI said, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just do everything in secret then. And so that was what uh, the old Quintel Pro program and these other domestic surveillance programs that we were told decades ago were a conspiracy theory, 
But as it turned out, uh, thanks to investigations from the church committee in Congress, and we've talked about that before, we need a new church committee uh, to go through all of this stuff. Um, they found that uh, the, uh, the the FBI had just really exceeded its uh, its <laughs> statutory and constitutional authority. The FBI doesn't care about that, that that sort of thing. So that's what they're doing now with religious groups that uh, they think are are too excessively conservative. And and if you can think about it, as time goes on, basically all Catholics will be considered extremists uh, unless suddenly Catholicism does a 180 after like 1980 years. Uh, it's just going to start signing off on a bunch of left-wing stuff about gay marriage or whatever. Until it does that, that means you're a violent extremist in modern American ideological circles, especially up at the federal level and these people in the FBI who are in every way in uh, they're just agents of this regime. And they're either you are in line with that ideologically or you don't go anywhere in your career. So uh, that's just, I think, the latest um, revelation that really just makes it clear where the FBI is on in that. And I, I, and I think there's a lot of fun irony here, too, because historically, if you look at a lot of the poll data that was coming out in the days of the war on terror, uh, traditionalist Catholics, people who self-identified as traditionalist Catholics, were also pro-Patriot Act, pro-spying, pro-torture, pro-waterboarding, because they viewed the only enemies in the world are Islamic terrorists. So we think the government should be able to do whatever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want, torture whoever they want. So it's just kind of funny, maybe not ha-ha funny, but... Uh, certainly uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting turnabout that now these exact same powers that a ton of those people supported uh, 20 years ago are now being used against them. Uh, so be careful what you wish for and uh, be careful what sort of powers you want to give to the federal government because they're just eventually going to use it against you unless you completely agree with whatever the latest ideological fantasies are. Uh, in Washington. And so some of these these issues about how they infiltrate groups, cause chaos within these groups, try to make these groups look bad. It seems like this may be an issue then with the January 6th thing. I think we've heard rumblings about it, but I saw just the headlines really about it, though, about some of these informants or agents that are that were uh, going on in January 6th. So what was the story there? Yeah, well, there is uh, uh, lawsuits going on. I know right now there's there's trials going on with uh, uh, some of the Proud Boy members that were involved in January 6th. And so as part of this investigation, you have defense attorneys highlighting, hey, look, we've got documentation identifying that there was over 40 FBI agents involved kind of playing that role of provocateur here. And, you know, what does that, so you, you've had this building narrative, Tucker Carlson has been kind of the leading mouthpiece for this, but this has been insinuated by people like Matt Gates, by Marjorie Taylor Greene, by other Republican legislators. Um, it goes into the larger question about a very specific member, Ray Epps, um, who was caught on camera the night before, you know, saying that, hey, look, we've got to storm into the Capitol and people around him start shouting, fed, fed, fed. Um, the way that he has been treated in spite of rhetoric on camera that was a lot more inflammatory than some of the other targets of this investigation. You know, he's been treated with, with kid gloves, and that has raised the specter of him being, he also has an interesting background with federal agents, the, you know, the specter that he was one of a larger conspiracy of federal agents looking deliberately to escalate matters on that day, which has resulted in, you know, 
political prosecutions and, and everything regarding from this. And of course, this, this is a very standard tactic of the FBI. You know, you can look back at um, the terror factory sort of work in its relevance to the war on terror situation, another way that that has kind of reversed itself. Um, but it is very interesting to see this becoming increasingly better understood um, by a lot of the law and order right. And I think that we're going to see increasingly, um, while I think politically there is still that dynamic of, you know, I think there was a, there was a, a real desire to, for example, use counter-protest over the Trump indictment. You know, there was a lot of people, you know, hoping for within certain circles about violent escalation from Trump's supporters, um, which for the most part has, has largely not been the case outside of whatever your views on January 6th were. Like, you know, there, there hasn't been a lot of, of political violence from, you know, the, the sort of, of Trump cult, you know, no matter the way that they are depicted in the media. Um, and that that is, I think, frustrating certain parts that, that see the opportunity for larger uh, political persecution on that, that point. But I, I think this feeds directly into why increasingly Christian groups are going to be you know, at the forefront of the FBI's uh, target list, um, you know, because it's not simply uh, the, the Catholic Church and, and traditional Catholics. And so, again, you're very, very different than Pelosi, Biden Catholics. I, once upon a time, I would have said Kennedy Catholics, but, you know, fans of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. right now probably lumped right in there with, with Trump supporters at this point. Um, but we've seen it with increased surveillance of um, concerns, warning signs out there, very serious warning signs. If is your kid becoming interested in Orthodox Christianity? Well, then, you know, these are the signs of right wing extremism. Um, you've seen it with on the Protestant side, uh, a rising interest in Christian nationalism. And so the I, I think we're going to see a, a much larger epidemic of, you know, that 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 guy with with great sunglasses and, and a crew cut coming in here saying, hey, fellow Christians, you want to go target that that Democrat, you know, pro-abortion, whatever, um, legislator, um, you know, let's let's go show these, you know, demons a lesson. Um, this feeds into that larger narrative that has been, been classic FBI strategy for a very long time. And again, I think the January 6th investigations are doing a, a very good job of illustrating how broad and vast these sort of operations really look. We saw it in a similar way with the uh, the Whitner uh, kidnapping plot um, from a couple of years ago as well. And so I have no doubt that this is going to be a playbook that will continue to be replicated in, in large part because, you know, outside of circles that are um, already sort of skeptical, right? So, so, you know, as mainstream as your Tucker Carlson viewer and maybe even broader to a, a large section of the Fox News audience, if you're not tapped into, you know, consuming conservative content, this narrative is almost completely off the board. You know, you're, you're not going to get this, you know, these are not going to be the, the sort of clips that are, are you know, going mainstream or viral on, on Instagram or TikTok. Um, you have to kind of be looking a little bit at anti-regime information to recognize this. And again, more are than there have been in the past. That is a positive sign. But it's amazing how quickly the, you know, the, the news cycle will turn. Um, we've kind of seen it playing off right now with some recent um, gun violence stories that as soon as it's very clear, it doesn't fit that preferred narrative that the F, that the, the media likes to run about to, to ramp up a new push for, for gun control. It, it immediately changes the same way. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, you had, you had Bush days, 
it would have been you know, top of the line Fox News stories. Some of this, um, you know, some of these tactics used against you know Islamic, you know, young people radicalized by you know various things. Um, this same sort of dynamic is is not a very popular story, um, as as they they desperately try to maintain the facade of the you know very important, very just, um, you know, very righteous FBI. Well, and of course, James Bovard has done some of the best work uh, on this, on the history of the FBI, on its many abuses. And so I, I can't recommend his stuff enough, both on Mises.org. Uh, so just search for James Bovard on Mises.org. We'll include a link to some of his better articles. Um, but he's also done a lot in large uh, mainstream publications as well. In fact, I was just looking at a 2017 article that uh, James did for The Hill, and just looking at how, uh, from the beginning, the FBI has been accused of being the regime's secret police and has been accused of being used by presidents to collect information on perceived enemies. And this is not anything new. And and this all ignores the fact that the FBI for decades had been just the personal blackmail machine of J. Edgar Hoover, who would collect data on all sorts of elected officials and then use the secret info he had gathered to get what he wanted from elected officials. Uh, so it's always been utterly corrupt uh, at its core. And the fact that some law enforcement activities might have taken place on the side was really just the public relations arm of the agency. And you can, you, uh, if you have any memory for the sorts of things that occurred during the 1990s under the uh, under the rule of the Clinton era that was going on at the FBI, you could see just how much focus there was on "quote unquote" domestic terrorism. I mean, there was absolute hysteria over. Uh, what was called the militia movement back in the 90s. And the FBI was all over all those organizations. They had agents in every one of them, uh, very much involved. Uh, and who knows what they were egging people on to do. And w what does Bovard look at here? He looks at, of course, the Branch Davidians. Uh, <laughs> and just the, and he, he notes, right, he knows that political fact, political, PolitiFact absolved the Bureau back in 2017 of any wrongdoing, uh, any excessive secret police sort of uh, activities, because, quote, the FBI doesn't torture or carry out extrajudicial executions, uh, to which uh, James responds, tell that to the Branch Davidians, 80 of whom died after the FBI assaulted their ramshackle home with tanks and pyrotechnic devices and collapsed much of the building on their heads, even before the fire burst out. Uh, and of course, yeah, sure, other federal agencies are involved in that, but the FBI is at the core of basically every federal investigation. So the DEA, the ATF, all of that, the FBI provides a lot of the investigative power there. And they've been at the core of, of so many of these abusive sorts of investigations and attacks on American citizens, uh, another case being the Ruby Ridge uh, attacks, um, against a person who was no threat to the public uh, <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but the FBI just in, uh, identifies these people and their government agencies, which means they feel like they have to justify their existence. They, of course, have uh, limitless weaponry and funding, and they use that to carry out violent acts against uh, people who have not been uh, convicted of any crime. And so now, who even knows what FBI manipulation had uh, wrought in the days 
of the 2016 election. And this is another point that Jim makes, right? He's like, did the FBI wrongfully absolve Hillary Clinton on the email server issue? And what role did the FBI have in financing or exploiting the Steele dossier? We don't even know because they don't admit anything. But we do know is that they will happily uh, bust into Trump's house and carry away documents there and accuse him of countless things. But when Hillary uh, lets uh, classified information just kind of bounce around email servers, oh, well, you know, she's, she's a good person. She did her best. Uh, and James Comey then absolves her. Uh, of everything. And then, of course, when uh, Bo uh, when Biden has a bunch of classified documents in his garage that his drug addict son was driving in and out of, that's eh, fine. It's no big deal. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, so you can just see what partisan hacks these people are. And yet you still see, you still see an amazing amount of support for the FBI in the general public and, of course, in Washington. And it's really quite astounding. And we have to really ask ourselves, wh what purpose does this organization even serve? And you say, oh, well, they do law enforcement. It's very important. They catch kidnappers and stuff. Do they? Uh, if you go to the FBI site, law enforcement isn't even their emphasis anymore. They're, they've uh, About uh, five or six years ago, actually probably more than that, more like seven or eight, they changed their website to, to away from law enforcement toward national security sorts of work. So they actually kind of fancy themselves as a domestic CIA now, or as a CIA, of course, they do it anyway, but they're legally limited from doing any sorts of intelligence work against uh, in the United States, which they do anyway. But the FBI, which has much more leeway there, they're they're now the domestic CIA, so they, they'll spy on you. They'll carry out all that sort of stuff. And that's what they've doubled down on. That's where they've, they've moved to. And really what happens is if you talk to local law enforcement people, it's state, um, state patrol, state investigation services, it's local police that are rescuing kids uh, in cases of kidnapping, so on. And then the FBI swoops in and acts like they did all of the work. And that's just pretty typical. And of course, never mind the fact that there are plenty of places in the world that don't have this huge uh, continent-wide police force. Let's look to Europe, which, by the way, has lower violent crime rates. And gee, how do they even function without a Europe-wide police force? All they've got is COINTELPRO. I'm COINTELPRO, sorry. They got Interpol. And what does that mean? Well, Interpol is just a, a information sharing service, and their agents do not have arrest authority. They can't go in and they can't do investigations without uh, agreements from the locals. And so somehow they managed to not be constantly in chaos on that continent. But apparently in the United States, you've got 50 states, all with their own statewide and local investigation services. Uh, but they've got to pay taxes to Washington to get this Washington-based investigative uh, organization, the FBI, which just comes in and meddles, which uh, functions contrary to local law. You can think of the states where they've legalized uh, certain uh, drugs, and the FBI would love to arrest those people and investigate them and work with the DA on that. And so they're at odds then with state officials. You've now got a great case where Missouri is refusing to work with federal agents on prosecuting people uh, in terms of federal gun crimes. Again, the FBI is at odds with the real law enforcement people. And so they're not only are they an unnecessary, but they're actually working against American freedoms, and they're totally incompetent when it really comes down to it. As I noted in an article a couple of years ago, uh, there's a great book on the CIA's failures 
uh, called Constructing Cassandra. Uh, and I quoted it at length to look at just how the, the CIA is always wrong. They were wrong about the Iranian Revolution. They were wrong about the Bay of Pigs. They were wrong about 9-11. They just ignored it. They, they downplayed the risks. But the FBI was so guilty and so at the center of the incompetence that, that led up to 9-11 that they couldn't even escape mention because it was just so blatant, so bad. And the FBI was just so utterly useless when it came to preventing 9-11. Uh, it, it's undeniable. And uh, this isn't some conspiracy theory. This is just established historical fact at this point. And, but then, of course, what happens after 9-11? The FBI gets a huge uh, budget bump uh, because we need them, because they're heroes. And so now they have, of course, massive spy authority. And they're everywhere now. And apparently from the January 6th thing... They're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're doing who knows what with that sort of thing. There's people rotting in jail now because of that. And we just don't know what role these people have. Uh, and the FBI is in forthcoming. They're not telling us anything. Of course, we got Christopher Wray up there, you know, one of Trump's many uh, wonderful appointees. And which he recently said, hey, don't judge him too soon, which is great. <laughs> great stuff. Some lessons, I guess, are never learned. And... And you could just see them stonewalling. You ask them questions like, how come you're harassing parents uh, who are going to school board meetings and yet you, you do nothing when there's a bunch of people surrounding the home of a Supreme Court justice, which is Kavanaugh. And I'm no fan of Kavanaugh, but I'm also against assassinating Supreme Court justices or really anybody else. Political assassinations like never lead to good things afterward. You, you moderate and, you. <laughs> And so uh, it, it's so clear where they're coming down on this stuff. And you can't get a straight answer from them in any of these Senate committees or House committees. And so I think the time has really come to just really look at what do these people contribute to actual law enforcement and keeping people safe. And the fact is, it's nothing. If you gave back to the states the money that is stolen from them to fund the FBI, it's billions of dollars. And it could then be used for local law enforcement. Uh and not that I am uncritical of local law enforcement. I think anyone who's familiar with my work at Mises.org knows I've got plenty of problems with these people. But the left's position that we should defund the local police and worship the FBI is just one of the most twisted, bizarre things I can possibly imagine, uh, especially if you claim to be in favor of poorer families or the black community and such. Who do you think is going into these communities and tearing families and communities apart by building up networks of informants to turn each other in for small-time drug use and that sort of thing so that your dad or your brother can be shipped off to federal prison for eight years? That's what the FBI is doing. They're destroying your communities, and yet for some reason we're supposed to think the these people are great because, because they're anti-Trump, because orange man bad, and so let the FBI do what they, whatever they want. And that seems to be where we are. But you can talk a little bit more about this, perhaps, though. I'm starting to see some beams of light, right? It wasn't that long ago where if you sat down with some self-described libertarian, they would talk for the first 10 minutes about, oh, I don't, the government can't do anything right. I don't believe anything the government says. But then when it comes to foreign policy or uh, any sort of investigative authority, They'll go off about how, well, of course, we have to invade Iran because uh, the CIA and the FBI told me to. Uh, and, of course, everything the federal government tells me about foreign policy is 100 percent correct. And everything they tell me about terrorism is uh, should be unquestioned. And then they go down this rabbit hole where they're telling you how great the FBI and the CIA is. And that those are these people who consider themselves 
hard-nosed pro-freedom people who are skeptical of government power. They were worshiping these federal law enforcement agencies. I'm starting to see maybe some cracks in that regime now, maybe, finally, and maybe it took the Trump phenomenon to really expose that. But some people are actually calling for the abolition, right? I mean, they're a minority, I assume, but there are some people doing this now. Right. I mean, it's people like Matt Gates, it's people like Thomas Massey. You have, again, this entire committee that was formed. This is one of the you know, the, the bargaining chips that Kevin McCarthy used to kind of get across the line in the speakership battle. Um, and the, the committee is dedicated to, you know, what they call the, the weaponization of the security agencies, including the FBI. And so Jim Jordan, I think, if you're looking at who, who's the most prominent uh, Republican congressman, um, you know, with, with that kind of balance of seniority and, and TV persona, that sort of stuff, I think, I think Jim Jordan um, kind of stands up as, you know, one of the, the true sort of legislative leaders in the modern GOP. Um, and, and he has been someone who's, you know, really been grilling. I know they're, they're subpoenaing um, Christopher Ray for, you know, over these, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church investigative uh, memos and things like that. Which of course, the, the FBI was very quick to distance itself on. Oh, 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 oh you know, we, we, we put that memo aside, whatever. Um, but that is, you know, J Jordan is leading, I think, the, the investigative effort um, where, again, you do have, you know, the Matt Gates, the Thomas Masses of the world calling for outright um, uh, you know, definancing, you know, you're pulling the funds for it, you know, abol you know, abolishment as the goal there. Uh, whether or not, you know, you, you, you often get, you know, these sort of, of bumper sticker style bombastic rhetoric when, you know, you, you are in a minority position. Um, either, you know, red versus blue or even within your own caucus. It'll be interesting to see if this continues um, going forward. But I, I think that, again, it's it's the, the gradual, the, the most important dynamic here is this, the, the gradual distrust that state authorities have of federal authorities um, where there is a level of necessary cooperation for um, the, the FBI to really do act to the full extent that it, that it has. And again, you're starting to see, I think, growing tension here and there with, you know, you, you know with the DeSantis of the world, um, you know, with, with Abbott, you know, usually about six months after DeSantis, but he's kind of taking a similar stand at times, right? And I, I think this dynamic of state Republicans seeing the opportunity to carve out their own niche by taking a, a pushback manner, you know, DeSantis did it most recently with the, the Trump indictment on saying, you know, we're not going to extradite, we're not going to cooperate, um, you know, obviously Trump still went to New York and turned himself in, but you know that that itself is, I think, the start of uh, a growing tension. That you know, we'll see if there's any seriousness in there. You know, if you look at the history of the Republican Party, you would you would bet against you know seriousness on this issue and going forward. But the more that the FBI um, cannot help itself, and again, I, I think we're going to increasingly see this religious dynamic be one of the major major pressure points here. Um, and and you, you're, you're seeing it, again, I think it's kind of reflected in, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, for example, when you see sort of left-wing activists in the face of some of the recent uh, gun violence things. I mean, we, we not, might need to be, be dusting off, um, you know, gun, gun crime and gun ownership statistics by states in, in an you know, upcoming episode, because I know your work here is always great. And then also is another problem with the modern FBI is that the one thing, the one useful thing they used to provide um, well, it was accurate crime statistics in the last few years. They've been dropping the ball on that as well. It's interesting how that, that goes when we're dealing with a rising crime environment. Um, but you, you immediately saw um, you know, you know, liberal activists and Democrat politicians you know, making the perpetrator of some of the school shootings and violent episodes into 
you know, additional victim because of larger cultural issues. And, you know, most recently there's, there's been a couple of trans individuals, you know, in, involved in this sort of stuff. And so once again, we're seeing that sort of larger cultural dynamic immediately shape the way that something as, you know, obviously horrific as a, a shooting episode, you, you didn't see this the other way, right? You, you didn't see, um, you know, whether you're, you're talking about, you know, an example of, of you know, right-wing violence or even, you know, you didn't have, you know, Bernie bros going out there and, and making the guy that was shooting up the congressional baseball game, you know, some sort of martyr for the cause because, you know, he was readily against healthcare, right? This dynamic where, you know, it's, oh, well, it's, it's the victimized uh, trans community that is being oppressed by these conservative, you know, politicians guided by this, these, these Christian fascist sort of views. Even in cases of violence, they are made out to be the victims here. And I think this is going to lead to again, the broadening of this, this very cultural divide, which is going to continue to make um, churches and Christian communities um, the, the growing target of the FBI and these federal agencies, more so than maybe sort of you know, generic, broad, you know, Republican Party operations. Um, I, I think it's going to be more religious focus, and that's something that, again, it should be terrifying. Um, you know, it, it, it goes, I think, just to the hostility um, and, and really the, the change that the, the underlying moral values, you know, the, the, the facade, as it's always been, right? I mean, you know, you know Bush era, you know, conservatism and, and it's, 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 you know, facade of Christianity, why bombing people across the, you know, across the world and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it is what it is, um, but, but it's becoming, I think, an explicitly hostile uh, a, being viewed as an increasingly hostile threat um, by Washington itself, which is going to you know, work itself out in the way that these agencies operate. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a big question of uh, are people going to finally learn their lesson right <laughs> on this? Because you see it go back and forth, right? In the Clinton years, is very much a focus on uh, right-wing domestic terrorists. And then after 9-11, it was... Uh, and then a lot of conservatives opposed new federal powers at that time. And then it flipped when you had Bush in, and then it was suddenly, oh, give the federal government all the power they want to get these these Islamists. And then Obama comes in, and then it flips back again. And uh, at some point, are people going to figure out that you, if you give the feds this power, it's going to be used against you? At some point, it seems this is uh, just a lesson that is repeatedly not learned, and uh, people get duped by it again and again every time just the party in power changes. So I'll be interested to see uh, if the Republicans can manage to get back into office in 2024. Are they going to stick with any sort of anti-FBI work? Um, it could be at that point the FBI is so compromised, so ideological at that point that you just realize that this organization is simply incapable of, uh, of being a decent organization towards half of the United States. Who knows? The only person who I know for sure won't change his line on the FBI, of course, is uh, Massey, who I, I can expect will continue to say exactly the same thing, even when uh, the GOP is in the White House. Uh, but as for everyone else, I don't know. I don't have as much confidence, even if some of those people are doing good work now. But uh, I guess we'll, we may find out in a couple of years. Of course, someone else you can count on to maintain their current view in the FBI is Ryan McMakin and Jim Bovard and the writers of the Mises Institute. Uh, one of my favorite things rereading the, the Bovard article was being reminded that one of the, the chief architects of the FBI was a relative of Bonaparte, which I think is just another great little historical anecdote. Um, but this has been Radio Rothbard. And before we leave you guys, I want to let remind you that we've got some great Mises hats. This is a, a very well-worn uh, an old hat at this point, but we have a great collection of Mises Institute hats, Rothbard hats available at 
the Mises Bookstore. Um, there is a discount for Radio Rothbard listeners with uh, the promo code ROTHPOD, R-O-T-H-P-O-D. So again, check it out. Uh, for Ryan McMakin, this is Stowe Bishop. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.